Welcome to Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast. In this format, we bring you timely and relevant conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Join us as we explore new ways of thinking about the markets, investing, business, new technologies, and life in general. In this episode, our guest is Colin Rush, Managing Director and Senior Research Analyst. Our host is Jane Ross, Managing Director of Investment Banking. This episode was recorded on November 6, 2020. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to click on the subscribe button. We are here to discuss a topic representing disruption, innovation, and investment opportunity, the electric vehicle. Since the early 1900s and the advent of the internal combustion engine, car culture has defined much of American life. Freedom, mobility, independence, and innovation have all been guiding values of this industry. And now, with the introduction of the electric vehicle, we're on the brink of a new era of innovation. And like the kids in the proverbial back seat, investors are asking, are we there yet? In this episode, we'll take a look at the different types of electric vehicles. We'll discuss batteries and energy considerations. We'll examine current valuations and metrics. And finally, as always, we'll talk future and take a look up the road ahead. To help in our discussion, we have Colin Rush, the Managing Director and Senior Research Analyst who leads Oppenheimer's Sustainable Growth and Resource Optimization Franchise. Colin has well over 15 years experience in this field, and we're so happy to welcome him here. Welcome, Colin. Thanks for having me, Jane. Very pleased to have you here. This is a huge topic, so let's get started. Let's start with a brief description of how we cover your space at Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and um, I think it's a good place to start because the, the franchise is a bit unusual versus a lot of our peers on the street, and, and I think it's designed to be that way uh, to, to provide some additional insight. So with the sustainable growth and resource optimization team, you know, what we've decided to do is take a look at sustainability across some major sectors and looking at disruption within those sectors. Um, so within our group, we we look at the transportation market, the power market, the materials market, and increasingly in the agriculture market. There's a lot of crossover in terms of technology development. Uh, and our view is that there's additional insight that we can bring to each of those individual sectors by really understanding what's going on in between the sectors. You know, in, in the fortunate position of having a team of about four folks here at Oppenheimer that look at uh, 45 companies um, in, in print and, and probably a coverage universe, ultimately of around 70 that we consider when we look at the company. Wow. I, I know your your coverage list is massive, but we're going to focus today on electric vehicles. And I think it would be helpful, certainly would be helpful for me to, if you could give us a little bit of a primer on what we're talking about when we talk about electric vehicles, the types, manufacturers, the technology. I know that's a broad question, but if you could just give us an overview, I think that'd be helpful. Absolutely. And, and I think it's the right question and, and we can take it in layers. So when we look at you know any individual uh, opportunity within our coverage, we're really looking at a specific application. So our coverage universe is really defined by applied technology and the total cost of ownership. And so when you take on a topic as large as transportation, uh, it's really important to look at the actual duty cycle 
of the uh, of the vehicle that is is being deployed. And so when we look at what's going on with electric vehicles, you know, we take a look at passenger vehicles, but importantly. On the the commercial vehicle side, we're looking at last mile delivery, different middle mile uh, type of routes, city buses, as well as Class A trucks. And when we look at that, there's very different economics for each of those applications and a lot of nuanced technology uh, that goes into succeeding within those individual end markets. We'll get into a discussion later on on some of the upstarts that are trying to make inroads so many, so many road puns, but into crossovers and trucks and stuff like that. But sticking with those different silos, one of the big gating considerations have been batteries. And there's been a lot of discussion. I guess right now we're using lithium technology, right? Do you, is that what you expect to be kind of the, the standard? Yeah, and, and it's important that you've got a lithium-based cathode, but there's multiple formulations that go into that cathode. So broadly speaking, we're looking at lithium-ion uh, batteries, and, and there's been a rapid evolution in terms of the actual materials within uh, within those batteries, but also the form factor within those batteries. So we're expecting that lithium will continue to be the basis for EVs on a go-forward basis. There will be an evolution of the chemistries inside of those batteries uh, and, and also a walk down the cost curve. So if we go back and look historically, started looking at this group uh, just on the battery side back in 2007, we've really seen you know a, a tremendous amount of work uh, done in terms of cost reduction. So we're, we've really seen kind of a 20-fold cost decrease from where we were at uh, when we first started looking at this group. And really that's been driven um, in part by volume, but importantly, in terms of designing the basic materials that go into the into the batteries, and then how um, they're shaped into the battery, and then beyond that, you know what's happening at the battery pack level. And so, there's a number of variables that we continue to track, and I have to say it's, it's a bit complex in terms of actually, um, you know, designing these changes, and then also being able to commercialize them into real-world applications that that can actually take chemical energy in the battery and turn it into propulsion uh, for the vehicle. A couple questions there. So the cost curve has come down big. What about safety concerns? You still hear about the potential for fire and combustion. How are we looking on that front? You know, so it's... um, it's interesting. So that that dynamic is called uh, thermal runaway, uh, and what happens is you uh, you get a hot spot in a battery, and then uh, that starts to accumulate heat and, and heats up other materials around it, and it, it it turns into an explosion. When we look at what's going on with EVs, uh, you know, within the batteries, uh, there's you know the design of the materials and the consistency of the materials in the battery level, but importantly, there's a lot of cooling apparatus around the, the actual cells in the battery pack, and that's where we see a lot of differentiation you know, within these battery packs. So there's uh, been a, t- a tremendous amount of work done on thermal runway within the, the cells, you know, the full battery pack management. And we're really just not seeing many issues around that at this point. When we look at the safety statistics, you're far more likely to end up with uh, a gasoline-based vehicle catching fire versus a, an electric vehicle on the, the order of dozens of, of times more likely for, uh, uh, for a gasoline-based vehicle to, to have a problem versus a battery-based vehicle. Oh. Well, that's good perspective. And then another gating issue is supply. And are we able to scale this up to the scale that we need it? So on the battery situation, are we able to fill the expected supply in the marketplace? At this point, uh, absolutely. And actually, we have an excess of supply. Uh, And so 
you know, the, the EV uh, ramp up has been uh, long in the making and the raw material suppliers, the battery suppliers, all the component suppliers have been tracking along the way. Where we see the real bottleneck right now is at the OEM level. And, and through our coverage of Tesla and other companies, it's become very clear that actually making EVs is a, is a fundamentally different process than assembling um, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. And so there's an awful lot of IP in and around the software for these vehicles to really integrate all these components and make them operate uh, in an efficient way that's, that's durable over time. And so as we look at what's going on in the landscape, the, the raw material suppliers, the battery suppliers, uh, and the other component suppliers have ramped up, but the integration is getting hung up at the, that software uh, level. We expect that to get worked out over the next couple of years and uh, and see some significant ramp up in total volumes across multiple manufacturers and really some substantial sell-through. So when we look at uh, opportunities in the space, uh, we think there's actually some, you know, some stocks that have lagged in the last year or so that are going to be catching up with the rest of the group uh, over the next 24 months or so. Those software providers, those are existing players. You know, typically that will happen from a, you know, a tier one or more mm-hmm. likely it happens at the OEM level. So you're talking mm-hmm. about the brand name vehicle producers that are actually putting all these components together. Uh, oftentimes they will work with uh, tier one suppliers that can help with that. But it's really a different technology cycle uh, and, and um, culture around technology than we've seen historically from OEMs. You know, we're fond of talking about consumer electronics technology cycle existing within a durable goods market. And that's how we've characterized the challenges that Tesla's tried to harmonize. When we look at that that sort of dynamic carrying forward into um, into a number of different vehicle OEMs who have a long history of um, you know process for bringing products to market and orientation around safety and, and consumer sensibilities, it's been very hard for those those companies to harmonize that given uh, the way the technology has emerged over the last you know 70 to 80 years and really make that that switch um, in a very short period of time. And so you know as as we look at what's happening here, we're seeing that cultural shift happen at those OEMs, but it's happening very slowly. And, and uh, we do think they're turning the corner, but it's, it's been a, a rough process so far. Another gating factor has been the infrastructure and more specifically, the ability to charge your car. And I know that there have been estimates or infrastructure plans out there with a goal of 500,000 public charging outlets um, in the 19, in the 19, 2030 to 2035 timeframe. Um, where are we now on the infrastructure side with charging outlets, the ability to charge, and how quickly can we get those numbers up? It's an important question, and and I think it's an interesting one because the the change from fuel-based vehicle, you know, or an internal combustion engine to an EV, you're really changing the way that that consumers fill up their their tank and, and power up their cars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so what you you look at with an EV is that you're topping up uh, your your battery versus you know draining the the fuel tank and then filling it up once a week or, or however long uh, you're going to use your vehicle for that fuel. And so what we're, I think, going to see, you know, leveraging off the availability of the grid in many areas, uh, you know, the pervasive uh, presence of the grid, to be able to tap into electricity uh, to charge up your vehicles, you know, where you are on your, your day-to-day life. So charging is happening at home, it's happening at work, it's happening at, you know, places where people shop. Unless so in these isolated areas where you stop and fill up your vehicle and, and wait for it to be filled up. 
And so what that really necessitates is one, you know, more uh, charging uh, outlets uh, versus what you would think about for gas stations in, in the U.S. And secondly, you know, a very different uh, technology problem. And so it really comes down, in our view, to having sophisticated power electronics that can really manage that new load on the grid versus, um, you know, what historically has happened for the grid. And so there's a lot of control technology that is embedded within the hardware. But then importantly, on how you manage all of those assets in a centralized location. So when we look at you know that that market, the software opportunity in the cloud-based operating systems that we're starting to see emerge from a couple of uh, leading players, we see those as very important elements to the technology solution. And if you don't have both the hardware and the software within that charging infrastructure, it's going to be very hard to have a business model around it. So just to answer your question initially, I, I think we're in the early days of the scale up of those uh, those deployments, um, but more importantly for investors, we're very, you know, very, very early days in terms of the monetization of those assets um, and the business models where we see, uh, you know, opportunities for a couple of players to take an enormous amount of share in the sector and, and actually emerge as, as much larger companies uh, over time. On that issue of charging, one thing that has been discussed is can our current electric grid support that as we make the shift to a greater percentage of electric vehicles out in the system, can we handle that? Do we have the capacity or do we need major change on, in the grid? Uh, so it's it's a I think this is one of my favorite questions to answer. So oh, good. The, the grid is uh, really utilized at a you know of a rate of you know kind of forty to forty four percent in in industrialized countries at this point. That's so low. You have all, absolutely, there's a lot of latency uh, within the system. You know, and and really, the system is built to deliver the last electron on the hottest days when everyone's running their air conditioners. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, to not have an issue on those days, you have much larger uh, volume of capacity. Now, it's also a, a system that's been built for central uh, generation, and then all of the power flows downstream to the end markets. What we're seeing, you know, with the smart grid and the additional controls at the edge of the grid is that you can have two-way electron flow. And importantly, you can control what's going on where in the grid to balance it. And so when we were talking about charging uh, the hardware, having those sophisticated controls at that level layered up through a software application uh, where you can uh, interconnect with uh, the grid operators, you can really manage the, the flow of electrons and not really need much more capacity uh, from the grid to really serve the market. And if you just think about it intuitively, you know, typically you'll be charging your car at night um, when there really is a very low electricity demand, given the fact that many people are asleep and they're not running all of their appliances, like their computers and lights and things like that. And, and so there's, there's a way to balance the grid, but having those controls, both at the hardware and the software level, really enable, um, you know, compelling business models that can be very, very durable over time. Well, let's, let's take a little bit of a turn another car pun, into a a discussion about valuations, access to capital, startups. I know that there have been, you know, some young entrants in the market that are trading at pretty lofty valuations and capital has been accessible. Can you spend some time on what you're seeing now in the market in terms of valuations and raising money for this space? 
Absolutely. And, and forgive me if, if I take a step back in terms of you know, basic fund flow in the market and, and a couple of other market dynamics to, to put this in context. Um, so right now, I think there are a few things going on. First, we're seeing very low interest rates uh, from uh, federal governments, which means there's a, an awful lot of liquidity in the market and investors are really figuring out uh, what to pay for growth in, in that sort of environment. And so we're seeing you know, multiple appreciation based on that dynamic. And secondly, even pre-COVID, we were seeing a, a real significant pickup in, in terms of uh, folks looking at sustainability and climate change as, a, uh, as an investment thesis. That uh, was partially being driven by the, the ESG movement, which is really about you know, how well companies are run, um, but there's a, a lot more transparency around environmental exposure. And so as we saw fund flow move into the ESG space, driven by some mandates in the EU, we saw additional fund flow into the market. And the third thing that's going on right now is that the, the unit economics just makes sense. So there's a compelling economic argument. And so you have the combination of, of those three things coupled with, um, you know, investors looking out multiple years after COVID, um, wanting to have, you know, multi-year investment horizons um, more actively than they have historically. And we're seeing a, a lot of fund flow uh, into these companies. And so as we look at this, it's, it's a, a, an interesting time to talk about valuation because you have these very large markets in the transportation and, and power and materials sectors that are getting disrupted right now. And you have some very young companies that are in the early days of ramping up. And, and we're looking at you know tangible numbers over the short term relative to these big uh, opportunities that are in front of them. And so we're seeing uh, a fair amount of liquidity uh, as investors want exposure to the sector and really seeing uh, a broad-based capitalization from multiple continents into a, a number of these technology companies. And so as we've talked to investors, we've really focused on you know, which companies have leading technology and, and riding with the market in terms of valuations because the peer group has moved so dramatically over the last period of time uh, that we, we think investors are well-served to pick the technology winners uh, and the leaders in their individual segments and, uh, and build core positions around those companies. As you look ahead and you look down the road ahead where you're focusing your research attention, which silos would you guide investors toward? You know, so we always like defensible IP that is based in, you know, something that has a long technology cycle. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's areas that um, we're seeing in the space right now that are really semiconductor-driven controls technology. So we're seeing a lot of development happen on proprietary ASICs that are providing the hardware control that we talked about and leveraging that into um, additional software applications. So we're seeing that at uh, the charging level, at the the individual chargers, but we're also seeing it in terms of navigation and companies that are building LiDAR for uh, autonomous vehicles. We're also seeing it at the powertrain level where uh, we're looking at companies that are using novel materials, developing semiconductors that fit into the, the control system within the powertrain and really getting more out of the battery packs within the vehicles from a, from a full system perspective. And so that's, that's the area where I think uh, there's, there's some very interesting things going on where there's going to be some businesses that emerge as much larger businesses over the next three to five years. Additionally, you know, the, the integration piece that we talked about to companies that 
really are doing well in terms of the, the operating system for these vehicles and providing what amounts to like a Microsoft Windows operating platform for these cars uh, and, and these vehicles where you can, you know, really maximize performance from that, that software level. We're seeing some very important design ends happening right now across the industry at, at that level. And so those would be the two areas where we're most excited. And that expertise sits in a number of different kinds of, of companies and, you know, always happy to talk with folks about that individually. Yeah, that's perfect. And on the flip side of that, what worries you? What what areas do you think we might hit some either technology stumbles or implementation stumbles? Where do you think we're most vulnerable here? You know, so at this point, you know, the I think the capitalization of the technology and, and the unit economics, as, as we mentioned, is really sufficient to continue driving down costs to areas that we're going to see larger proliferation. And so really what we're looking for right now in terms of the, our investment recommendations are looking for companies that that can execute, you know, and so mm-hmm. we really do have a bias towards companies that have proven that they can deliver revenue and margin uh, mm-hmm. in, in the current environment. As this industry scales, we, we think those companies are, you know, best positioned in many cases from, a, you know, a technology positioning perspective, but also an execution perspective. And so that's the thing that, that we take into consideration in, in our coverage is, is really who are the right operators with the best technology. And that's the thing that I think we spend most of our time on at this point. Well, I think that that's just great. And again, I am so pleased to have you here to go through all of this with us because it's a massive, massive space and, and somewhat overwhelming. But given what you started with, which is to focus on the disruptors and the innovators, Again, you're in the driver's seat of a lot of those players in the electric vehicle market. So we really appreciate you spending some time with us. It was a pleasure, Jane. Don't miss the next episode of Let's Talk Future as we explore a variety of topics important to every kind of investor by bringing our firm's financial thought leaders directly to you. Hit the subscribe button today.